Welcome back to the happy hour of Palette Cleansing Podcast. Where we talk about happy news and creative solutions to the issues of today. And we believe news is best heard over a glass of your favorite drink, whatever that may be. I'm Shayla Martos. And I'm Malachi Wade. And in today's episode, we will talk about some Asian American and Pacific Islander resources, important updates to vaccinations and COVID guidelines, and something super cool about cow burps. Our guest this week is Express Magazine Editor-in-Chief Madison October, and naturally will have a special cocktail recipe to honor spring. I want to take a moment to talk about resources and opportunities to get involved following the attacks in Atlanta last week. The violence against Asian American Pacific Islander communities weighs heavy on my heart. I worry for my family, my friends, for those most at risk because of the many intersections of their identities, those who are elder, queer, undocumented, sex workers, or women. And in trying to figure out how to cover this story, Malachi and I decided to highlight some resources for AAPI folks, some opportunities to volunteer, and some organizations to donate to. The Asian Mental Health Collective works to destigmatize mental health care within the AAPI community. Our cultures, our values, our family dynamics, all of these things affect our mental health, and it can be difficult to find help from people who understand our perspective. So AMHC works on projects to normalize prioritizing mental health, including a podcast, and curate directories of Asian therapists. The SF Women's Shelter provides direct services to people in need, whether that be housing, emergency services, language access, or the anti-trafficking program. They focus on the needs of queer Asian survivors and trafficked survivors, though their programs are available to all. They do take volunteers, but the applications are closed for the season. In order to support those in the programs, you do need to be trained because it's very sensitive information. Mm -hmm. So check back if you're interested in getting involved. And for South Asian LGBTQ plus folks, the Helpline Deck is the first and only national line for Desi queer people. You can call or write in using their website, and they can contact you with trained volunteers who provide free, confidential support from folks who understand your perspective. They also have lists of resources they can provide for LGBTQ plus people, families, and friends. DEC is support for South Asian queers by South Asian queers, made accessible, trauma-informed, and survivor-focused. If you're looking to help by working hands-on, you can volunteer. Volunteering is one of the oldest ways to help out communities, and nowadays, the change that happens on the local level can be exponential. Grassroots organizing has a colorful history in our country because national change can start with a small grassroots org. So here are some volunteer opportunities that might be right for you. The Asian Pacific Environmental Network, or APEN, works to create positive environmental and social change for Asian immigrant and refugee communities. They are a long-standing org with deep roots in the Bay Area. According to their website, they are looking for volunteers who are fluent in AAPI languages or have multimedia skills or are from the Oakland, Chinatown, or Richmond Southeast Asian communities. Compassion in Oakland and the San Gabriel Valley work to foster more community action and solidarity. They also have a chaperone program where elderly Asian folks can call someone from the org to walk with them for their safety and well-being. In light of just the last year of hate crimes, this is definitely needed. Compassion Oakland and San Gabriel Valley are both accepting volunteer applications for chaperones, community outreach, business and administrative work, copywriting, social media, and volunteer dispatch. So there's plenty to do for anyone. 
Grassroots organizing is only successful when people from all backgrounds, experiences, and most importantly, skills, come together to fix problems in their communities. If you have a skill you can use, use it. And for those of us who are unable to volunteer, donating to groups that help our communities is a solid way to get involved, especially if the org you want to support isn't based in your area. Red Canary Song is a grassroots collective that organizes Asian and migrant sex workers through labor rights advocacy and mutual aid. Their goal is to support sex workers through social programs while fighting for the decriminalization of sex work. Red Canary Song is the first international coalition of Chinese massage parlor workers who receive no political representation or access to labor rights. In the wake of the attacks in Atlanta, Red Canary Song stands united against white supremacy and over-policing of Asian and migrant women and sex workers. The Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund, or AALDEF, provides legal advice and advocacy for the Asian and migrant communities in the U.S. They litigate cases, provide free multilingual advice clinics, and educate the community and students about workers' and immigrants' rights and public interest law. This is a resource that neither Malachi nor I can provide, so donating to AALDEF is a way to support resources that are inaccessible for AAPI communities. To support creating infrastructure for Asian American organizing and build a new generation of social justice advocates, check out Seeding Change, a center for Asian American movement building. They have a summer fellowship program and a student network for those on college campuses. What I like best about Seeding Change is their fellowships for students can be with many different host organizations across the country, including APEN, which we mentioned before, and virtual options too. Organizations that focus on youth connection and empowerment are integral to creating lasting change. We hope that these options reach a few of you, but there are millions of other ways to support the AAPI folks in your lives, in your communities, and around the world. We will include links to each of these in our notes. Hit us up with any questions. As of March 16th, Moderna has started testing their vaccine in healthy children from 6 months to 11 years old, according to the New York Times. They'll be enrolling over 6,000 children in the U.S. and Canada for trials. Moderna is also conducting a separate study on children aged 12 to 17 with results to come this summer. The vaccine will then need to be authorized for use on children, so it may be a little longer than summer for that age group to be eligible. Vaccine side effects like fevers and sore arms can be more severe in children, so these tests are important for parents to know what to expect and how to care for their inoculated kids. Also, the children in the studies will be followed for a year to look for any side effects and antibody levels. Adults are being followed for two years after inoculation. As eager as we are to get back to real life, the vaccination process will likely be a long one. This is another positive step in the international journey toward vaccinations. Schools across the U.S. are under pressure to reopen as soon as possible and as safe as possible. Last Friday, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention relaxed the guidance for spacing students' desks in classrooms from six feet apart to now three feet apart, as long as they wear masks. According to the SF Chronicle, California and Bay Area school and public health officials are divided on whether to follow these new guidelines. News media is becoming more and more aware that in many cases, trying to show both sides of a story is not responsible. In fact, it can hurt those most affected by the story, and almost no story has just two sides. This is an issue where there are two very clear options up for debate. Do we open schools as soon as we can, or do we wait? 
And there are a myriad of different factors that affect these two options, including this new guideline about desk space. This is a possible solution to the issue of helping as many kids as possible get back into classrooms, where they can socialize with peers and have an overall better learning environment than staying at home. But a huge part of solutions journalism is critiquing these solutions. Having more students means more possibility of transmission. For children at high risk of contracting COVID-19, this may be a less safe option. This guidance is based on one study from Massachusetts, which found little difference in transference in key desks three feet versus six feet apart. Is three feet enough? It's up to the state and local school boards to decide. Also, COVID deaths have dropped by 40% in the U.S., and on the 26th, Governor Newsom said that vaccine appointments will become available for people 50 and over starting April 1st, and on April 15th, appointments will be available for everyone 16 and older, which keeps us on track for the Every Adult Vaccinated by May 1st plan. Very exciting, if we follow that timeline. If. If. Yeah. (laughs) Getting an appointment is going to be damn hard. Like... (laughs) My dad said that he's just going to like wait at his computer at 11.50 on the last day of of March. And I'm like, good luck with that, dad. The website's (laughs) probably going to crash. Oh, man. Yeah. And if you like numbers, this equals about 32 million Californians, which includes more than 5 million people in the Bay Area. In December, Oakland lost a bit of magic. But now, Children's Fairyland in Lake Merritt is back open. Starting last Friday, Children's Fairyland reopened for three days a week, Fridays through Sundays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., then from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. The hour between the two shifts allows the staff to deep clean the park, so when you purchase tickets, you can either take the first or the second time slot. On March 9th, the Alameda County Public Health Department announced we are now in the red tier, meaning various museums, zoos, aquariums, and theme parks like Fairyland can open at 25% capacity. Fairyland is taking guest safety seriously with many magical adjustments. Masks are required, of course, and there will be plenty of sanitizing stations. The gift shop will only allow one social bubble at a time, so the park suggests buying their merch, like their special magic keys, from their revamped online store. I believe that I may have some, like, hidden away in storage, but I used to have a whole collection of these magic keys. Buy your tickets ahead of time on their website since there is a limited amount for each day, and the park plans to open five days a week, Wednesday to Sunday, starting March 31st, and seven days a week starting June 7th. It's always exciting to learn about simple, scientific, small solutions to big problems, And I say small solutions because climate change won't be fixed in a day, but this is still some solid progress. Cows produce a significant amount of methane that contributes to about 5% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. But scientists have discovered that if they put a small amount of seaweed into cattle feed, it helps reduce emissions from cow burps by 82%, according to the SF Chronicle. The process is actually quite simple, too. According to the Chronicle, the seaweed inhibits an enzyme in the cow's digestive system that contributes to methane production. So essentially, sea plus weed equals less cow burps. Exactly. (laughs) Big Ocean Barns, a company in Hawaii, grows the particular type of algae that works best, and it plans to have enough to feed about 5 million cows by 2025, which is a part of California's goal to reduce their emissions by 40% by 2030. Wow. 
that would be a significant amount. It's the most ambitious emission reduction plan in the entire U.S. But I mean, it's, you know, we'll see. We we shoot for the stars. We land on the moon. Yeah. This step could make the process of beef consumption more sustainable until we have a plant based substitution that tastes even better. So after a quick musical interlude, we'll be back with an interview with the lovely Madison October, editor in chief for SF State's Express magazine. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Madison October. She, her pronouns, an SFSU student and current editor-in-chief of Express Magazine. Welcome, Madison. Welcome, Madison. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. We're so excited to talk to you, Maddie, about about Express. Yeah, let's get to it. My previous baby, now your baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, okay, so... You're about halfway through the semester, and how has it been for you so far? It's been insane. To even think that we're halfway through is absolutely like mind-boggling, especially how the semester started. Enrollment was like super low, mm-hmm. so we were morphed with newspaper, which Malachi, you have experience being. Um, yeah. But then, like the first week in, we had enough students to make our own class, so now we're our own separate class with Joanne. So that's very good and definitely <laughs> a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been really fun seeing it all come together from kind of nothing to an actual publication, especially being that we're not really doing PDFs as much as previous semesters and trying to transition to fully online. Um it's been it's been a roller coaster but it's been a fun one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I as someone who's helped you with the website and your graphics, I honestly really like it and kind of wish that I had done something similar. Like I think it's cool that you're changing the website around every issue because you know, not having a PDF, not having like the ability to do the visual um design stuff, but you're still able to make a design and make it unique and I think that was a really good idea. Thank you. And yeah, we're still, I'm going to start currently over spring break work on the PDF. So we're going to do a four issue PDF. So now that we have two issues, I'm going to be working on those two issues over spring break. And then I think I have a week at the end of the semester to do the other two. So fun. (laughs) And uh, so we really wanted to talk to you too, Maddie, because a week from when this will air is when your issue two dropped and looking at it, it looks amazing. The photos are absolutely Mm -hmm. gorgeous. Uh, The stories are really interesting because it's themed with nature and travel, right? So I, I would just like to know what you really enjoyed working on. Yeah. um, This was the first issue that I actually worked on stuff. I've done video in my photojournalism career, but never cinematically or never with like a cinematic touch to Mm -hmm. B-roll. And so I did a little drug ad for nature, advertising Kenzie's story for nature and meditation. And it's basically me talking about negative ions and how important they are and why you go into nature and you come back feeling so relaxed and so like at peace. And so Kenzie also had another story. She had an interview with a professor from Mm -hmm. SFSU 
And that one's mind, mindfulness and meditation, yeah. nature's yeah. impact on mental health, which I really, really like. Yeah, it was it's a, a good phenomenal interview. And her idea for multimedia was something completely different. But after listening to and starting to edit that interview, she was like, yo, I'm, I'm thinking about taking this in a whole different direction. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And she was like, the B-roll I have just isn't working. And I was like, I can see that. And I was like, I think you need like actually specific B-roll shots for the interview. So like, imagine when she says like, you have to touch a tree that you actually get someone touching a tree. Or when she says like, put your feet in the grass, actually show someone putting their feet in the grass. So I took that on after the first draft was due and just shot all Mm -hmm. that B-roll as well. Yeah. And I did not realize how much five minutes of B-roll was. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Of strictly so people, I was like, Mm-mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was gorgeous. Like the way that you shot those, I have never seen work like that from you. So that was really exciting for. I was like, look at this. Yeah, I've never shot like that before. So it was definitely like I was geeking out every time I got a shot. I was like, mom, mom, look at this one. <laughs> So going along with the theme, um, we're curious why you chose to theme each issue and also how you chose those themes. When I was transitioning into being EIC after you, Malachi, before the semester even started, um, I really wanted to create a magazine where people could make work that would actually look like it was in the real world. Not that Express isn't the real world, but something that you would actually get paid for. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as journalism students, our work in school is literally what gets us those jobs. So I wanted to encourage and give as much backing to my staff as much as possible to actually make those kinds of works. I wanted to actually do issues based off of other magazines. So fashion was going to be based off of Vogue, travel and nature was going to be based off of Nat Geo. And then we're only going to do three issues at the time. So the last one was going to be politics and social issues, and it was going to be based off of Mother Jones. So those issues were going to, those magazines were actually going to look like those magazines, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Design wise, photo wise, all that kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, we had fashion, nature, and travel then our third maybe i won't say yeah, spoilers <laughs> yeah no i, I, I think i know but <laughs> i'll leave i won't hang. say either <laughs> yeah yeah you you definitely know but we did change our fourth one so you won't know but i'm really excited about that fourth one i'm not gonna lie so yeah that that's kind of why we stuck to it and i wanted to i felt like i could do the most as an editor, if I had a clear kind of restriction Mm -hmm. around the stories, I could help mold and guide stories if there was like a a parameter to them better than Mm -hmm. if it was kind of free range. So it was really cool how all that happened. And also having like seven Mm -hmm. writers, it's been really interesting to see how their 
writing style has come about and I can like start recognizing whose writing is who without even knowing who wrote it. Yeah, that's Aww. always fun. It's a really beautiful thing. And the same thing with photographers. Like I can tell who shot this without mm-hmm. actually knowing who shot it. It makes you feel very totally. Cool. Oh yeah. Totally. Like I have my finger on the pulse. I know who shot this and I don't even need to ask. And talking about all the writers and photographers that you have, what has it been like for your staff to uh, focus on a theme each issue? I think they've actually really liked it. I know for fashion, a lot of them are super excited. I have a writer who's not really into the journalism field, but is more into fashion design. And so he was like all over it. And a lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of the people were too. That's why I was trying to find themes that would be applicable mm-hmm. to as many people as possible. And like for for this magazine, for this issue, I saw like Lynn is a science minor and then June is a science minor. I feel like you've made some really good decisions for your staff in these themes. June Ueda is like a landscape photographer. Uh, Emily Cudiel's stuff, like that photo that she had with a bear. (laughs) There's literally a bear in there. I was like, how close did she get to this fucking bear? bear (laughs) I was afraid for her life but that's just Emily you know but bless Emily's heart like Mm -hmm. she's like she's a rallier and she always got energy Mm -hmm. she's always on 10 you know yeah 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 so much um I think for the first issue we were up I think we we basically did all day Thursday and then all day Friday obviously but Mm -hmm. all day Thursday like by the end of like Thursday evening, Thursday night, maybe like 10 o'clock at night, we were just all delirious and just like over the (laughs) stories, couldn't read another word, like just just done. And she was just like, she was just going off. And because there was like Venenosa Ropa. And so she would say it like, like a, like a, oh, I don't even know what to describe. She just go, Venenosa Ropa. (laughs) And then just like, it would just crack us all up. And at the end, I was just so tired. And I was like, all right, love you. Bye. And I was like, I guess I love you guys. I'm sorry, but I love you. And so that's kind of our thing. And then also saying, like, go forth and be brilliant. That's so cute. That's how we say goodbye. That's a cross-stitch pillow That's right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, like, my English teacher in high school and – my junior year, like, that's how she would end every class. She would just say, go forth and be brilliant. And so, like, one night that just came out of my my mouth. And I just said, go forth and that's be brilliant, so y'all. And that's kind of our thing now. I just, I love my staff for their their gumption and their their tenacity and their their drive. And it's, it's really nice to see. Yeah. And it makes Aww. my life a little easier, too. And I remember when you were running for EIC and when we were, you know, training you and stuff, one of your, I guess, selling points was that you were a photojournalist. So you would bring a different perspective to the creative creative side of the magazine. Um, so now that you're halfway through, how, what is it, um, mm-hmm. how does your photojournalist background influence the overall look of Express and your managing style? I, I think I'm noticing my creative spark visually. I didn't think I had as much as I know I have now. (laughs) Um, So it's been fun. And I think, and I hope that I've just been kind of 
sharing that with everybody else and kind of getting really strong images so far and really strong content visually yeah I'm really proud of them Mm -hmm. because like for a magazine that's kind of of course of course the writing is is integral to the magazine but the difference for me is that visual like graphics and visual representation Mm -hmm. of what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. yeah most definitely like that's that's the big difference between magazine and newspaper you know what I mean like I keep on telling them I was like y'all we can be creative this is magazine my guy like (laughs) can do whatever you want kind of with Joanne's magazine moral (laughs) um oh yeah we love Joanne she's she's the best um she always like we'll be talking and I'll come up with an idea and she'll just be shaking her head. And I'll be like, just kidding, we can't do that. Um, just have, have Joanne pinned on the Zoom call because you've got to know what her reaction is. Yeah. And the amazing thing with Joanne is that I think just no matter what, she's always she's always ready to hear your crazy ideas. And I always like I come to her and I'm like, all right, I have a stupid question. She's like, Madison, no, no question is stupid. And I was like, Thanks, Joanne. Um, And I think, honestly, Joanne is kind of like what holds Express together. No matter what editor team takes on next, like if Joanne is around, like, they'll be This is a Joanne uh, uh, fan podcast now, (laughs) actually. Um, We're pivoting. We're pivoting. Joanne, if you hear this, I love you. I'll tag her. And I know that, Madison, you're leaving this semester right you're graduating congratulations no it's 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 crazy to think about and kind of the other crazy thing is like literally all the editors are graduating all of them oh no one's done i know again (laughs) that shit keeps happening i know it like like but i think a lot of our writers are like really interested in it and i'm seeing a lot of like editor and editor-in-chief in them and I'm just like I got a short list yeah. well um, it's like <laughs> yeah. with your short list I'm, I'm just wondering what what you really hope to see in Express after you leave after you graduate I just I just hope it continues to be more and more visual I really hope that magazine continues to be a creative outlet for the photographers and that they can see that as being a place to like really pitch their crazy ideas that newspaper might not be on board with um yeah and I I just yeah just keep on building and hopefully that if they are going to be in person that they can start designing and getting a pdf out and just making that beautiful um yeah just continuing to go forth and be brilliant Thank you so much, Maddie. We're going to take a quick break or a little fade out with music. We say break, but essentially it's just a little, (laughs) it's not a break. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like a a 10 second break for you. (laughs) And then we're going to come back with another uh, happy story. And of course, our cocktail Mm -hmm. of the week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Maddie. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone. This next story is very near and dear to my heart as a writer, a hopeful change maker, and a proud tomorrow. 
University of Guam Press releases a new memoir by Julian Aguan, The Properties of Perpetual Light, this Monday, March 29th. A mixture of poetry, prose, and searing political commentary, The Properties of Perpetual Light weaves together the complex truths of Micronesian experience. So those are islands in Micronesia. (laughs) For those who don't know. From nuclear weapons to deep-sea mining, the beauty of our islands, and the wisdom of our elders, Aguan encourages others to write as if everything they love is on the line. Aguan is a writer, lawyer, and activist for indigenous human rights based in Guam. His firm, Blue Ocean Law, works in the intersection between indigenous rights and environmental justice. Aguan was chosen as an Obama Foundation leader in 2019, one of 21 leaders across the Asia-Pacific region. He also serves on the Global Advisory Council of Progressive International, which is a global civil rights collective launched in May 2020. Y'all know I've already pre-ordered my copy, and I'll end this story with a message from Aguan, who encourages others to have a very, very, very tuned and healthy disrespect for the law. I love it. I know. He's like, I'm a lawyer, and, but. But. And with that, <laughs> now it's time for our special cocktail. This one's dedicated to the late sunsets, blooming flowers, and fresh cut grass of spring. So we're calling it Chartreuse Showers Bring Spring Flowers. I love the names that we come up I with. No. I don't know if anyone else like appreciates these as much as we do. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This cocktail is a spruced-up chartreuse mule. Get it? Spruce. Absolutely. Fun fact, chartreuse has been made by the Carthusian monks in the mountains of southern France since 1737. Ce n'est pas cassé? Don't fix it. Mm-hmm. This drink will be built in the shaker, then served over ice. Start with one ounce of green chartreuse and one ounce of gin. Add the fresh juice from half a lime and hang on to the other half for garnish later. Stir it all up and pour over ice. Add a few dashes of bitters, then pour in the ginger beer of your choice to fill the glass. If you don't want that alcohol, enjoy some ginger beer with lime and your favorite bitters. It's just as good. It's really delicious, honestly. That Mm -hmm. mocktail is so simple and so good. And for garnish, you're going to cut a thin round lime slice off of that half that you saved, and lay it on top of the drink horizontally. So it's just going to be like comfy laying on top, like that door Mm -hmm. from Titanic, right? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you're going to place a little edible flower. I like violets, um, pansies. You can also use oxalis, which is a like bitter flower and stem my family calls it sour grass because you can eat it but it's like exceptionally sour and it grows literally everywhere that sounds really good it's solid but, but go- like figure out what flower you have oh yeah google oxalis and no i don't know how to spell it <laughs> this drink is a little bitter a little sweet and a little flowery perfect for spring in our opinion you can find all of our cocktails on our instagram at thh podcast And now it's time for last call. Shaylin, would you like to go first? What's making you happy this week? I have great news. Um, So last Saturday, I received my first dose of the Pfizer, 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 Pfizer vaccine. 
Yeah, it was great. That, ladies, she's vaccinated now. <laughs> I am. I am first well, vaccinated. Yeah. yeah, halfway. I got to wait three weeks until my next one. The day after, my mom and my sister were able to get theirs. My uh, stepfather already got his, and then my brother already got his. So now the whole side of that family, save my youngest sister, who is 12, has now received their first dose. So that's really important to me, especially because my sister is immunocompromised and we all help take care of her. So, yeah, so that that's just a really good feeling. And you don't realize how much of a weight it lifts off of you until it happens. Yeah. Like I like I remember when my grandmother and my grandfather both got vaccinated and I was like, wow, I didn't realize like how much space worrying about them every day was taking up in my head until Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry anymore or as much. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Malachi? What's making you happy this week? Well, when this episode airs, I will have just come back from a camping trip. Me and my sister rented on Airbnb this cute little converted Airstream on a 40 acre ranch that has like donkeys and chickens and cats and dogs like a full ass farm, um, a few hours down South near Paso Robles. I haven't gone there yet, so I don't want to be like untruthful and be like, it was a great time, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but I'm just so excited to read some books and take beautiful walks because the wildflowers are going to be going insane. If you remember, I think in one of our most recent episodes, we talked about wildflower hikes in Mm -hmm. near the Bay area. Mm -hmm. I'm going to basically be doing those and I am so excited wonderful glamping i know right and speaking of books i went to the bookstore today to pick up some new tomes to bring with me because i have read my entire bookshelf so i got a a mystery novel written by a danish author that takes place in denmark so that i can be sad and and miss my exchange (laughs) i got the popular afrofuturism novel binti which actually the edition that i got comes with all three in one book so i'm super excited to just like binge the entire thing oh i have to i have to borrow that because i only have the first novella so you telling me that like so you mm -hmm. messaging me that about wanting to read it was like oh thank god shaitlin likes it like yeah. I know it's going to be good Afrofuturism, now. like these these black speculative writers and science fiction writers, ooh, next level. Like Binti's going to blow your mind. And also because it's like space-esque, like I love a good space yeah. anything. Definitely. Which Definitely. speaking of space, I got a little book that's a nonfiction novella all about black holes and speculating about what a black hole encounter would be like. So I can't wait to lose myself in that definitely because i can't see my friends i will definitely let everybody know via social media what i think about these books and uh probably talk about the black hole one a lot because it's cool and it's also very small i like pocket-sized books they're very solid um so you know stay tuned for that (laughs) and thank you for listening to this episode of the happy hour we'll be back in two weeks with more happy news and tailor-made booze drinks did it for the rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to I tried to take it out, but she was adamant. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay. With Thank that. you. Thank you to Armand Villamoria for our wonderful theme music and to Maddie October for speaking with us about Express. We love you, Maddie. We love you. Bye everybody. Bye. <laughs> the happy hour is produced by Malachi Wade and Shaylin Martos.